0: Welcome to CruxCast, whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe. We caught up with Mark Sharma, CEO at Energy Fuels. They've been going on quite the tear. Uh, recently we talk about where Mark attributes that value. Is it the rare earth components, or is it the Uranium? potentially probably both. We get an update on what's happening in the market according to Mark with regards to Uranium and we also look at the puzzle which they're putting together with rarer uh, new names uh, and relationships being formed every day. If you want our thoughts and opinions about how they're going about doing that, what we think of the company and indeed Mark, uh, you can find that at Mark Chalmers, how are you, sir?
1: Always good, man.
0: Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Share price not doing too bad either.
1: No, look at the locomotive continues, and um, so look, at, we're very pleased with um, you know this this strong sentiment that we're seeing uh, for you know all things uranium and rare earth. So um, yeah, we're um, we're riding the wave and and looking forward to the future.
0: What I'm trying to work out is where's the value being distributed? Is it the uranium? Dominant U.S. uranium producer component, or is it this new story, this new kid on the block, rare earths?
1: Look, it's a it's a difficult question to answer, but but I, I think we're pretty much trading in the pack with the uranium uh, uh, equities, and um you know I think that um you know at some stage uh, people will start to appreciate and value the the, the rare earth side of our business more, uh, which gives us additional lift. But uh, yeah, we're right in the middle of the pack with the uranium uh, groups. And um, so, yeah, we'll see how that all unfolds. But um, certainly everybody's getting the lift right now.
0: If it was based on the uh, percentage of questions that I've been sent in, I think it'd be 80% rare earths, but I'm sure that's not true. Um, should we start with uranium? The uranium space, as we last spoke, has kind of Unfolded and exploded in a way. Obviously, people are talking about this physical uranium trust that's with Sprott and the UPC acquisition. What's going on there? The marketing leverage, uh, phenomenal, but also, quite frankly, the exposure to larger North American funds. Um, How how do you see that? I mean, why did they do that? Does it make sense to you? I mean,
1: Sprott. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, look. you know, not how always say this speculative buying is up to be speculative selling, but look, I think that, um, I think this this awakening on the uranium front and the nuclear front, uh, when people are looking for you know carbon free baseload energy is really uh, getting traction, uh, not just here in the United States but around the world. Uh, you know, I think last time we talked, I'm not sure if this had happened, but you know, the The EU is is looking at nuclear power more positively than they have in the past as well. You know, small modular reactors. um, You know, so I think a lot of this is is culminating in this this, um, excitement for nuclear energy. And, uh, you know, it's it's long overdue. I mean, it's been over 10 years since Fukushima. Uh, You're seeing, you know, Japan starting to get back on the the bandwagon more uh, than they were. Uh, so yeah, look, it's an exciting time, and um, you know. And again, uh, you know, what are the options? You know, if you don't have nuclear in the mix, and it's not the only thing in the mix. Certainly going to have, you know, other renewables uh, like wind and solar um, and hydro, um, and 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 probably natural gas for you know foreseeable future. But you have to have nuclear in the mix.
0: Let me talk to you about the mood of the nation in North America, okay? Because you know we see what's happening in Europe that's great but you know Biden's requesting six trillion bucks 14 billions being allocated towards advancing the nuclear cause um no interestingly no mention of the 75 million bucks which had been a bipartisan request for a, a uranium reserve I thought that was interesting but it, it's bigger than that there is a positive sentiment towards nuclear energy as part of the energy solution going forward I couldn't help but notice You've done something with uh, Penn State and also the, with the DOE?
1: Yeah, we, we announced it was what a month or so ago yeah. that um, we had this uh, contract with uh, the DOE. Uh, this is focused on the coal-based resources, rare earth recovery from coal-based resources. And that was the second award that we've received from the Department of Energy. Uh, there are some other awards uh, coming uh, that we will apply for. Uh, you know, it's not, uh, you know, the, the, these are studies, but it certainly is um, a, a good uh, sounding board with the Department of Energy and the Department of Defense in certain cases uh, for the efforts and the progress that we're making in this rare earth space. So, uh, you know, we're still going for the the brass ring here when it comes to the rare earths. Uh, we're going for the brass ring when it comes to uranium. As a matter of fact, all critical materials, you know, we're, we're 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 building that narrative uh, for all the right reasons, and uh, we just think it's a great place to be.
0: No, it is for sure. But just just stick with uranium for a bit. Is it a case the market's moving? And the, why I ask about the mood? Is because there's been a real kind of um, increase in equities for uranium juniors without anyone having to do too much. Spot price hasn't exactly been helping. hasn't, hasn't really done too much but the the buying has been very noticeable and palpable in in Australia uh, and in North America Canada. Um, Are you just sitting back and just letting the market do its thing, or are you actually allocating funds, time and effort to advancing your Uranium efforts internally?
1: Well, um, we're not just sitting back. I mean, we've been doing um, reviews internally on our various projects uh, when it comes to restarting our Uranium assets. Uh, you know both our isr and our conventional assets uh, i mean we're literally at this point. just uh, thirty minutes ago I was talking to our mining engineer with regard to the opinion plainly um so no we're 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 doing our uh, homework uh to figure out you know what would come on first and second and third and and you know how we would get the best uh, economic outcome uh, and you know Increased production, so we're not sitting on our hands here. And I think that you know we're doing uh, every bit as much, if not more, than anybody else out there in the uranium space right now. Uh, even though we're still doing a lot of work on the rare earth front.
0: Okay, do you think that moves by sprot with UPC? Do you think that's going to advance the timing in terms of this price discovery? Because we were talking to you know one um, uh, uranium company recently. Who had been out buying in the market, and they said they found it particularly hard. They were being offered products in September and as far out as 2022. You know, it's it's getting difficult out there. Does that mean that things are going to move a little bit more rapidly, or is it steady as she goes and we'll see what happens?
1: Yeah. Look, I, I, I think that certainly the uh, Sprott move has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, you know, people uh, buying physical uranium. I mean, that just mops up what's out there and available. Um, so, uh, look, and I think it bodes well for the future in the uranium space. We know that it costs more to um, replace those pounds through new production than it does to buy them. And so, you know, I think it has you know a value for the future as the market improves. So. Uh, Yeah, it surprised me with how many people have jumped in uh, purchasing Uranium. It's probably not a a bad plan for for some. I'm not so sure uh, what the plan is for for a few. But um, yeah, let's just watch it. I think that anything that that increases the focus and attention on the Uranium space and on um, baseload carbon-free energy is good for the sector
0: but are you are you in conversations with these utilities are they starting to approach you cuz you know if, if someone said the other day that actually UPC had bought in total 16 million pounds ever which doesn't sound like a lot you know America consumes what 50 55 million pounds a year so i'm trying to understand the nature of of the market we we've, we've constantly been trying to understand the nature of the um, the supply side of things, you know where are pounds sitting? who has them all?
1: Yeah, look, look yeah, we routinely talk to the utilities and and you know and, and I've said this before. I mean a lot of the utilities are addicted to cheap, you know, if they can get cheap uranium, they'll buy cheap uranium and they continue to buy cheap uranium. Um, are they thinking about things could be changing in the winds and I, I think they are. Um, but it, it, they, they're not rewarded for buying expensive, more expensive Uranium if the price doesn't move. Now, uh, and they're not risk takers. So, uh, you know, they just want uh, security of supply and if they can get it cheaply, uh, they're gonna buy it uh, at the lowest price, um, you know. So, so yeah, look, and I haven't seen any real movement from the utilities that says that, you know, they think it's game on on uh, securing, uh, you know, production-driven uh, Uranium pricing. But that will change. And when it changes, it will change overnight. It will change so quickly that everybody's heads will spin. Because just like we saw in 2006, 7, 8 period, when the price went right up through the sky, it it changed. And everybody started buying uranium. Everybody started doing contracts. You know, so, so, you know, that's how it'll happen. It's not going to just, you know, inch up. When it moves, it will really move, in my opinion. So when it does move,
0: and it goes up quickly, with with your experience or your your, your opinion, is you've said to me a phrase before: "Not all boats will float." Do you think all? What was the point at which all boats stop floating? Because right now they, they seem to be taking advantage of the situation. People are distributing their bats into these uranium equities fairly evenly across the board. Everyone seems to be doing quite well. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. No, look. As I said, everybody has benefited. And um, and 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 look, um, you know, the price does need to move um, because equities have moved like the price is, you know, fifty bucks right now, in my opinion. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that it does need to move because I think that um, you know there's not an economic outcome for anyone, not in, not including Cameco at you know low thirty dollar uranium. So. Um, Yeah, I think that when, as I said, when the price starts to move, I think it'll move quite quickly. Um, And, um, you know, I think that everybody's just got to be ready uh, to go at that time. Um, You know, so many of the the wannabes will not ever be able to deliver any Uranium new production. Um, You know, it's just not going to happen. And and even when you look back in that 2006, 7, 8, you look at some of the reports done by the WNA. Um, it, it's, it's shocking how little new production came on even when the price moved like it did.
0: It's interesting, the, the, the wannabe producers. Right now it's very hard for retail to work out who's real and who's not because everyone talks the same game, right? But I, I'm intrigued because at some point when this thing, if it does shoot off, everyone's going to want to shoot up that curve. But there comes a point when the company's got to start delivering. So, what what are we looking for? Are we looking for companies that, you know, are stretching the delivery point out? Are we looking for companies that can deliver? What what should we be looking for in your experience?
1: Yeah, you know, I always say I gravitate for people with proven experience um, that have done it before. You know, there's a lot of fast talkers in this space that you know that that, that it's easy to talk about producing uranium. It's difficult to produce uranium. But I think that there are existing uh, producers that have shown they can do it. Um, Certainly there's good new deposits like Arrow and NextGen that will make it in the market. And and, and look, there will be some new startups that could be quite interesting in time, um, but I would stick to those that have done it before or have extraordinarily good deposits that that are well-recognized.
0: Okay, let's get onto rare earths because, like I say, about eighty percent of our questions about rare earths. People are absolutely intrigued. Critical minerals, strategic minerals, whatever you want to call them. Big conversations going on in U.S., Europe, even Asia, and you know how that all works. Um, what have you been up to since we spoke? Because you've, you've assembled quite a meaningful team. Um, but yeah. what, what What is the process that you're going through?
1: Well, um, we. You know, we're looking at it in, in a holistic way, um, you know, with it comes to expertise with people that have proven track records with rare earths. You know, we're looking at feeds, you know, we're looking at um, the crack leach separation um, and starting to look at metals and alloys. So we're really uh, trying to cover all the bases to, to, to demonstrate that we're going for full integration in the United States. We've got this relationship with with Neo, which is uh, alive and well and very healthy. Uh, and the fact that you know they have the ability to separate um, in Europe, and there is no capability in the United States currently. Um, so, no, we're we're looking at it in a, in a in a in a broad brush fashion, but in each of those areas that I just mentioned, we're really drilling down into details and. Um, I think the main ones are um, the expertise. We, we started doing our scoping work with CARESTERs out of France. When it comes to separation, that's advancing. Uh, we're still getting inbounds on supply of monazite sands. Uh, people are watching the progress we're making, and they're taking notice. And, 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 and around the world, they're taking notice. And they're impressed with the speed and the focus uh, that we're executing our plan. So. You know we're again 100% focused for full integration, and uh, having a low strike rate on our capital and operating costs. So um, the phone uh, the phone keeps ringing. Matter of fact, it was ringing a minute ago. I had to hang up on it. Um, And um, you know, but we're going to get there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get that. Like, and I, I don't want to go over our old ground in terms of like the you know government component. We've talked about that before. People can look at those those interviews about your view on that because I don't imagine too much change right now. But what what I am interested in is um, having put the team together and starting to do these various tests and so forth. I, we, you've got a couple of sources of monazite, which is great because um, you've got to feed the beast, which is the white Mesa mill. So, yeah. are we expecting to see more of these contracts being signed, or Are the existing two suppliers going to supply you more, or are you going to look for other
1: other parties? Uh, yeah, look, look, and I, I think it's going to be a combination. Um, we we are, you know, have the arrangement with with Kimors. We signed um, um, the MOU with Hyperion. We're talking to probably at least a half a dozen other producers of monazite. Um, around the world. And it, it, it can be, uh, we're going to build the book uh, for feed to the to the mill in a number of different ways. And, and we provide different options. The Chinese just, you know, established themselves as a monazite processor. They said, we're open for business. We'll buy monazite, And they've been buying monazite from various parties around the world. We're doing the same thing, but we're also Um, making sure that people understand, particularly those that have significant quantities of monocyte, that we will consider other options in addition to purchasing their monocyte. So, um, yeah, we want to demonstrate to the market that we have adequate sources of feed from various uh, sources, um, that it's secure, it justifies full integration, and it also justifies that we're going to achieve significant scale in the market. So, um, but at the same time, we have to be able to do the value chain add uh, when it comes to the crack, the leach, the separation, and potentially metals and alloys. And each of those steps have margins. And so we're very focused on that as well.
0: Okay. And, and, I, and I do want to come back to that, but just just, just on the kind of the feed, obviously, monocytes, one thing. Are you looking at different types of um, feed and supply, whether it be from Tailings or clays or other types of uh, ore, which you may be able to extract rare earths from, just in terms of diversifying the risk in case something happens with the monazite market, prices go up, affects your margins.
1: Yeah. Well, look at our, our, our main focus is on the monazite sands uh, because of the grades. And, and there seems to be uh, fairly significant quantities of monazite sand material out in the market around the world. Um, but, but like for example, the DOE contract is on um, rare earths from coal-based resources. So so that's another potential source in time. Um, you know, ultimately we will start looking at um, you know some of the hard rock monazite uh, projects that are out and around in either North America or around the world. Um, but our first focus is the monazite sands and and and. And, and that's kind of built around this, this first relationship we have with Kimors um, and we do believe that there are sources out there uh, that are ready and, 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 and willing and, and wanting to come to another jurisdiction outside of China and uh, White Mesa is that other jurisdiction right now.
0: Yeah, so okay, so you stick to the netting for a while, monocyte is the focus, but there's optionality there. I will say with the, the the Penn State stuff, for instance, right? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, in time, and you know, but but the beauty of the monazite sand, and I call it the monazite plan, is it's the economics, it's the grade, it's the economics of processing, it's the fact that it contains uranium and it contains thorium, uh, which potentially uh, you know might have some value uh, in time as well. And, and those are all differentiators of, of, of what our strategy is compared to others. You know, what we want is what others can't deal with. And, and it's the best sources of rare earths out there in the entire world. So, um, you know, why look at things that are going to be less economic? You know, we're focused on the, the big win here. okay. And as I said, the brass ring and the monazite sands, we believe is is the, you know, it's where our focus should be. Okay. okay,
0: okay. Start at the top. Start with the biggest revenue opportunity. and Work your way down the list. Okay, fine. Who is calling
1: you? Geez, I, I I can't say, but um, but I can say that all the monosite sand producers that that I know of and uh, in the world, and every now and then I get surprised with somebody else. Um, they know what our strategy is, and um, you know some of them, like Kimores came across quite quickly. You know they were shipping to China. Uh, Of course, you know having a a, a U.S. centric focus was uh, important to them, Uh, but others are watching us uh, because they want other options for um, selling um, their monazite sands. So, so um, you know, pretty much if you just say that those who produce monazite around the world, um, they're the ones that are calling us. That that covers it pretty effectively. Any
0: uh, automotive manufacturers?
1: Well, I've, I've said, um, you know, publicly on a number of occasions, we, we are getting inbounds from, um, um, you know, a couple um, major car manufacturers that have, have heard and uh, seen some of the presentations I've done uh, on the rare earths. And, um, you know, it's still early days, but, um, you know, they're recognizing that they need diversification uh, of the critical materials that they need for this EV revolution. And uh, so that's getting quite interesting. But it, it it's it's even more interesting that that they're calling us, not the other way around. So and just finish on the monoside. I promise. Um, is if I look at the
0: market at the moment, there's not too many players, obviously. And uh, if I if I look at people like MP, who kind of had a renaissance, uh, you, you could argue, um, given their previous debt problems. Um, they're starting to take market share. Are you, are you going to miss the boat, or do you think there's enough space for everyone to play?
1: Look, the forecasts I'm looking at—they're saying that the demand for uh, rare earth elements, particularly the magnetic rare earths, is going to increase fivefold in the next ten years. I think that the market requires and needs the production from all the above, and so you know, China is going to always play a major role. Uh, MP Energy Fuels, Linus, and others. Uh, there's room for everyone who can be cost competitive and who can actually produce. Okay, so you got to be able to produce, and then you got to be cost competitive. Um, I mean, look at the the MP plan is different than ours. You know, they've got a mine. Uh, they're focused on bassinite. Um, they're cash positive. Uh, because they can ship their their concentrate and, and not a rare earth carbonate, but it's a like a flotation concentrate uh, to China and and actually make a profit on it based on its rare earth content, uh, and and they are also looking at uh, you know restarting some of their process plant uh, at MP, at Mountain Pass, so it's a different focus and and our focus on the monazite that's, that's got high distributions in both the light and the heavies. A lot of the bassinite does not have heavies or has very limited heavies. So, you know, it's, we, we just have a different strategy how we're going for it versus mountain pass.
0: Is your strategy or do you still feel your strategy can avoid having a Chinese component to it?
1: That's the plan. I mean, again, it's a small world. You know, a lot of the manufacturing of the end products um, still are done in China, but uh, you know our focus is is to to carry out as many of the steps of integration that we can at White Mesa or in the vicinity uh, to get the economics uh, and the margins required for sustainability.
0: Okay, how much longer will you have to? spent how much more money will they have to spend for you, you can actually work out the economics of what what it makes a kid become in terms of you know, potentially separation unit of it of its own because you've talked you've given us a number in the past but have you done any more work around that
1: well I, I said we're we've got the scoping study underway with Charisters. Um they're saying that the scoping study would be plus or minus say 30 uh, percent for separation so that would be you know, more accurate than what we have right now. I mean, our financial models that we have, uh, I think are, are quite accurate because we can pin down a lot of the costs, um, whether it's securing feed, um, cracking and leaching, transporting, uh, and even separation. You know, we've got numbers that, are, that have a basis for them uh, and we try to be um, quite conservative and we, we, we still find it very robust. We we think that uh, this monazite plan is a is a real winner,
0: and to, and with regards to the contribution from byproducts like uranium, you talked about uranium extraction in the past and possibly you know other other products. Too, I mean, is that a big part of your own numbers? We'll, we'll see what comes out of the scoping study, but what, what what's the dependence there?
1: Yeah, look the um the main focus uh, in the monazite sands uh, and the main value is in the the. the neodymium, the praseodymium, um, the NDPR, and that's probably 60, 65% of the value in a ton of rare earth. So it's really driven off of those two elements. And, um, and, and then the other elements, you know, our second, third, fourth to that. So, um, so yeah, but everything counts, you know, I mean, if you've got a saleable product, uh, it all adds up. And, you know, when you start looking at, you know, margins that that uh, say are uh, you know, 20 30, 40 percent you know another 5% here or 10% there, it, it's material. And, 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 and you know, we think that the fact that, you know, that a lot of the rare earth producers are wanna be rare earth producers, they don't want the uranium, they don't want the thorium. We want it because it adds value. It adds value and it improves the economics of processing monocyte sands.
0: So are you, with regards to obviously, scoping study like that on the rare earth component, we, we must remember you're a, you're a uranium company. You're a uranium producer. You, you've produced the most uranium in the US out of the White, white Mesa Mill. Mill, you're going to have to start spending some money on that side of things too. Again, what's the moment you're looking forward? Because you know, for me, it's kind of like you know, when's, when does that fat lady start singing?
1: Yeah. Well, look the. Um- mm-hmm. And I've said this again publicly that uh, we can get our uranium um, production going in a, a quite a large scale, you know, probably pushing two million pounds a year with about 50 million of working capital. We do not need a lot of capital to restart our uranium um, production activities. Now, when we talk separation, um, at least initial stages of separation, we'll get better numbers um, in the next uh, month or two. Uh, you know, we think for 100, 200, you know, 250 million, we can, we can get into um, production of, of separated oxides uh, for that kind of order of magnitude of, of cost. Now, when you look at either one of them in isolation, the strike rate to get there is so much lower than others. I mean, a, a typical rare earth um, uh, pr- production company uh, with the ability to, to, to have full integration, you're talking a billion to a billion and a half dollars. And when you talk about a lot of these uranium projects that you talk about, these wannabes, they're, they're saying they need, you know, 300, 500, 800 million dollars just to get started. So our strike rate is remarkable on all things critical materials uranium, rare earths, vanadium. Um, no one can beat us, in my opinion, on capital strike rate. To get back up into production at significant scales.
0: That's, that's interesting. It's interesting. You kind of forget about the debt debt component these companies are going to be laden with, which you know they yeah, are. And, and and we're,
1: we're, yeah, we're and and we're debt free, and I'm not uh, adverse to uh, to debt as long as you have um, uh, line of sight to revenue streams. And um, so, yeah, look, we're we're going to look at how we position ourselves uh, when we need to start up. Uh, either uranium or the rare earths. but again you know we've got a strong balance sheet right now with you know depending on how you count it up uh, you know in the order of a hundred million dollars um, of uh, working capital cash working capital or inventory so we're, we're we're not far off of the mark of needing having the funds to do all the things we we need to do
0: but don't spend it till you need to until you've got certainty yeah. around the market okay. Um, OK, really, really interesting, Mark. I pre- appreciate the catch-up. It was really a kind of catch-up, because the market's just got a little bit frothy again. I, and I do think that these big, generous U.S funds looking at this space now, a very small space, it's like, it's kind of like you've, you've got a ton of water and one tiny little spout it's got to shoot out of. It feels like the momentum is building. Um, and it's really a question of trying to understand the timing. so get, get, get in while you can, I think
1: would be my advice. Well, there's only so much legitimate product to invest in, okay, and, and, and there's different types of investors. There's people that are just trying to ride the wave and get out, um, and then there are people like these end users that are looking long term, and, and they've got to focus on those that can do it, and those that will be there, and those that can produce and have the cost structures to deliver, that's where energy fuels us. We're not riding away just because we're a flash in the pan. We are doers, and I think we've proven that over the years. And on the uranium and the rare earth fronts, we are going to continue to be doers and deliver.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor? Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn.